if you have a Bible, turn to, uh, turn to 1 John, all right? 1 John uh, chapter 2. And, um, you know, I've been in this series now, and uh, it's good to be back, by the way. You know, it was really funny. I, I, I left Tennessee on a plane, and it was, and, you know, and it was, it was 42 degrees, and, uh, and I landed here, and, you know, and it was 82. And uh, so uh, that's why we live in Florida, right? And so uh, anyway, but, uh, but, you know, being away, <coughs> I've always, always have time to, I always have time to reflect and think and think about you guys and think about what to share with you. Think about the things that we need the most as believers. And that's what this series has been about because I believe with all my heart that what a believer needs the most is, is a family and, uh, and God's family, obviously. But it needs, he, needs, he or she needs their family in their lives just like a healthy family, a physical family that has children they, those children need their parents in their lives. And uh, when a person has to raise themselves, uh, there, there usually are a lot of bumps and bruises, pain, trauma even, along the way, because we make mistakes when we don't have anybody in our lives that can help us along the way. And so that is part of, because this series, this series I've entitled, This Is Us. Obviously, I took it from the TV program. I have not seen it, but uh, I know that my wife cries every time she sees it, so I don't know anything about it, but I'd love the title because we're talking these, just these few words. We've only got a couple more weeks. We're talking about this is, this is us, okay? This is us. This is who we're supposed to be. So we're talking about the church. Now, remember, I have to say this every week. I hate that I have to say this every week, but I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about denominations. Jesus said that on this rock, I will build my church. So it's not you and I's, we're a part of it, it's his. And we don't build it, he builds it. But we are a part of it. It's interesting, it's an incredible thing. So if you're a believer here today, okay, you are the church. So don't think that it's some denomination or some religious institution, organized religious institution somewhere, you know, it's, it's you if you're a believer in Christ. So anyway, this is what we've been talking about because in our culture, it's real easy to miss it. And it's real easy to not understand who we are and to be able, because we are so individualistic in our culture, which is not all bad, by the way, but we're so individualistic that we don't, we fail to see, we see our lives as believers as us and God, that is me and God, individual. But I want you to know the way the scripture teaches so much of it, it's not just that, and that is part of it, but the greater part of it is, is, is the family concept. This is, who, this is who we are. And so we've been talking about this over the weeks to come. And as we've loved, and I'd love to share with you, uh, there are several different metaphors, and I know I use that word, but comparisons, uh, symbolisms, whatever you want to call them, that compares what the church is supposed to be. Uh, there's, the, there's the building concept. In fact, the first verse I want to share with you, yeah, Ephesians 2. Take a look at it. It says, in him, that is Christ, you. Now, remember, in our language, you can be singular or plural. But in other languages, there's two different words for it. Okay? And so, in this particular case, you is singular. That is you, as the individual believer. So, in him, that is Christ, you, individually, Okay, also are being built together. So, so in this symbolism, metaphor, whatever, of a building is that God's at work, right? In Christ, putting us together in, into a structure that he can use, okay, in that particular thought, all right? So, God, I mean, obviously, you take a look at it. We've, we've talked about the body concept, right, that he talks us that the church, that is who we are, you and I, we're, we're the body of Christ, that is the different parts that all fit together. Christ is the head. And so in that metaphor, it's, it looks differently. It usually in that metaphor, it's used to teach us about serving with one another and all those things. But in reality, the greatest illustration for who we are is, is a family, okay? That becomes this picture. And so God's family, we're his. And so Today's title is 
is maturity. Okay? Maturity. And it's not what you think. Okay? Just don't throw this out the window real quick. I want you to think about maturity. And here's, here's, here's the important thing that you and I need to understand. Is that what is maturity? Maturity is growing. Okay? It's, it's, it's growing up. Okay, the easiest way is that you look at a physical family, children are born into it, and uh, nobody is born mature, okay? Everybody is born immature. An infant is one of the most immature, uh, indefensible, right, of all God's creation. I mean, that human infant needs everything, okay? Food needs to be changed, needs to be bathed, everything, just extremely needy. But as a child grows, there's a maturity level that hopefully starts to happen. And, uh, and, you know, you go from feeding them, right, you know, from a bottle to with the spoon to eventually they want their hands on the spoon, right? And then they don't do very well at it. If you've ever been around a, a, a small one, right, it makes its way into their hair and their eyes. And, but before long, with a little practice, they, they hit their mouth one time, you know? But there's something in the life of a child that they long to grow up, sometimes too fast, sometimes before they're ready. And it's not healthy when a child does not want to grow or does not want to mature, right? So that becomes what we want to talk about because in that same metaphor with a physical family, that is, because eventually children begin, we call that steps of maturity or levels of development you know, whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's maturing, it's growing up. And there are thousands of these steps that we take. Well, I want you to know that the scriptures teach that about God's family too. That one of the huge parts of who you and I are supposed to be is to be a family that helps people mature in their faith. So there you see the parallel, the parallel of growing up. That's why Jesus uses this metaphor of being born again or the, being born into God's family. Because you start out young, you start out immature. So then how does one grow? Well, the scriptures talk about that. That's the, that's the passage we're going to talk about uh, today in 1 John. Uh, there's this picture. And in fact, I was amazed just looking at how easy it was to put this thought together. Because I want you to see who we are supposed to be. Because I will be honest with you with this, this one. This, one's going, this was not easy to say. But most churches have abandoned this concept that I'm talking about today. Most have totally abandoned it. It's become more of a, you know, y'all come and be a part and hopefully, hopefully you get it. That's not who he's called us to be, Right? He's called us to be, that we've called this place to be a place where people can grow. Therefore, Charlie talked about last week, and we'll talk a little bit more about it next week, about, per, about our task as a group of believers is to be a light to this world. Okay, let's say that you go out and you share the gospel okay, with a best friend, and this friend comes to know Christ, right? Now, are you, is, is it done there? Oh, well, God bless you. I hope you make it. No, they've been born into a family that needs a whole lot, that particular brand new believer, that infant in Christ as the Bible would talk to them about. Now, I'm not talking about age when I talk about infancy. Therefore, those who were in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, if you've just become a believer, you're, you're a child in your faith, even though you're mature, you know, physically, and even maybe emotionally and mentally, but understand, there's a growth period, and it takes time spiritually. And so when somebody becomes a believer, you need a place that they can plug into. Not just a place where they can come and sit. Because there's so much about maturity other than just sitting and learning. We'll see in just a minute. Interesting, huh? And this is who you and I are supposed to be. This is us. Not you individually, but it's us. I don't know, I find that incredible. But most have abandoned this because we live such separated lives because of technology and other things. And um, 
But you can't mature. You can't help someone mature from a distance. You just can't do it. So there's an, there's an inherent weakness that comes from, from a church not operating as a family. Therefore, the older ones looking out for the younger ones and so forth. And the learning and the practice and the, and the growth and the discipline and the, and the making mistakes and the learning from those mistakes and then helping, helping those avoid mistakes and all the rest. I guess I'm just tell you this because some of you in the room, I know some of you in the room, a lot of you in the room, that you grew up in a family that I won't, I won't say you were abandoned, but you were not guided very well. Imagine what your life would have been like if you had had a family that would have helped you mature and grow up. Imagine the pain and the bad mistakes and the bad choices that you would have obviously missed if you had had a family there. Guys, spiritually, that's who we're supposed to be. And it's all over the Bible. In fact, I'm going to have to cut this short from what all I have to share with you, because I kept, I kept looking at this concept of this family concept and this as the church, we are his family. And as we understand, there's this aspect of one of the great goals that we have is not just helping people mature, but it's being, it's not what you're smush, it's not so much what you're supposed to do, it's who you're supposed to be. Therefore, a healthy family we talk about today, it's not so much what you do. You can read a thousand books on that and never be a healthy family. You know what I'm saying? You can read a thousand books on, on being a healthy family and never be a healthy family. So it's much more about who you are than the things that you do, right? It's an amazing thing. So, and it's hard, it's hard to make tangible, but the scriptures do talk about it, and it's pretty cool when you take a look at it. So this word maturity. So let's read this, uh, these verses in 1 John chapter 2. And guys, I'm going to skip the first chunk of verses. Let's go straight to verse 12. And uh, because, again, I, I read the f- bunch of the first few verses because I want you to get the context. But I, I just want you to see this. Now, if you, if you, have, a, if you have a regular Bible, okay, um, therefore you're holding it in your hand. All right, it's not a computer program, all right? I don't know how you say that. Somebody will tell me later, all right? But if you have a regular, you notice that this part of the passage is inset, okay? And it's, which means it's either poetry, verse, or perhaps it's even a praise song, an ancient praise song. I have no idea. But it's repetitive, and it, 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 and it, but it has this thought, this concept, and it's inserted here in 1 John. Take a look there in verse 12. And listen to it, and again, listen to it as it goes. It says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've known him who's from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, children, because you, you know the father, or you, you're getting to know the father, basically, right? I write to you, young men, because you're strong, right? God's word abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. Then it goes on to teach more about that. But there's this thought. We're not talking about physical children, young men, fathers. We're talking about a growth, a spiritual growth that's been compared to children and young and those who mature. So, so there's this picture then of with among us of who we're supposed to be. And if you truly are a believer today, you're part of us, and your desire should be to be who God's called you to be in this family and the responsibility that you and I have. Not so much of what we do, but who we are. Obviously, we all have different gifts. We've talked about that in past weeks, but today I want you to see this concept, okay? I want you to see this concept of what it means. So I want to just walk through it just quickly. And I want you to see every, every one of the stages that is mentioned here. I call them, you know, stages of maturity. Right? Now listen, there's nothing wrong. And again, I'm not talking about age here. I mean, I'm comparing it to that, but we understand the concept of physical maturity there for a, an infant, a child, you know, someone who's starting to go through puberty and begins to 
begins to grow, muscles form, different things like that into adulthood, and a lot of things that go like that. We understand the stages of development, okay? But this picture, understand, has nothing to do with age. Therefore, some of you in the room that, that are much older, maybe your 50s or 60s, maybe older than that, and you've just become a believer. You may be mature emotionally and all the rest, but that, you're just getting started as a believer, okay? So you ha- that's what we're talking about here. Now, this is, a, this is an incredible thing, all right? This is an absolutely incredible thing to think about and put it together. I want you to see how that fits with you and who you are, right? And the things that you need, okay? You know, let's take a look then. Let's, let's talk about just what I'm going to call instructions for children, okay? Instructions for children. Those who are brand new in their faith. I want you to understand that those who are children, the child stage is all about learning, okay? It's all about learning. It's just the way that it is. Let's take a look in verse 12. It says, I write to you, little children, look at this, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Talk to you a little bit about that in a minute. Take a look at the verse 13, the second part where it talks about children. It says, uh, I'm writing to you, and I write to you, children, because you, you're getting, obviously you're getting to know your father. So it's, it's knowledge and getting to know who God is and what he wants. And it's just like, the, like children in our family today. First people that they usually know are their parents especially their mother. And they begin to understand, they begin to grow, they begin to talk, they begin to learn everything from mom, usually, but dad also. So, so much of the early development in the life of a child has to do with home. Now, what does it say there, forgiveness? Well, as a believer, because you've been forgiven on account of his name. What does it say there? Because during the, during the time of a believer, when they're brand new in their faith, that is the first thing they have to learn. The first person, the first thing that a person has to learn and accept and live in is the, is the forgiveness that, that God has for you. If you can never get past that, you will never be able to mature. Because if there are constant doubts in your mind that, what, that your sins are forgiven, that your father has forgiven you completely and totally, you will always have, if you will, arrested development, right? You will always be stuck. It'll always come back to that because you have these constant doubts. I think that's why it's mentioned here. It's one of the elementary truths that you not only have to understand, but you have to be able to live in that, in that understanding and accept it as his truth. That all of your sins have been forgiven, past, present, and the ones you will commit. That's pretty amazing to think about. It's hard to believe. Until you get there, you will never be able to mature the way he wants you to mature, okay? Does that make sense? So we're talking in the child stage, right? And I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with being a child, okay? The only problem is if you stay a child, right? There's nothing, I always like to say this, there's nothing wrong with a two-year-old acting like a two-year-old. But it is concerning when your 13-year-old acts like a two-year-old. Does that make sense? There's some work that needs to be done. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not easy. Let me just tell you this. God is at work in your life, and he's put you in a family to, to help you and assist you with it. But I want to I wanna, I wanna blow something out of the water for you, because in children's life and in the next stage, where you're learning to grow and take responsibility and other things like that, I want you to understand that those are not always easy stages to walk through, but they're important. And... There's a common belief today um, among believers that God's primary goal for your life is for you to be happy, right? And, and, and that, is, that is hogwash, all right? That's a Tennessee term. I want to, I want to explain it to you, all right? It's a Tennessee term, or it can be a southern term. It's really a rural country term. And you don't wash a hog because it's a waste of time because when you wash them, they're getting back in the mud as soon as you let them go. Hog wash, all right? Ridiculous. Why? But that's what most people think. They think God's primary concern and and objective in your life is you. No, his primary objective is for what? It's for you to mature. It's for you to grow up. And sometimes that's not always easy. Sometimes that's not always fun, right? Maturity is one of those wonderful things. 
Everybody wants to be mature, but very few people want to go through what it takes to get there, right? So think about that for a second. That is God, if you're his, if you're his, his primary concern for you is for you to grow up. Therefore, I don't know about you, but I learned early on that that God didn't call me um, to the lives of my four children to you know, to be the fun time guy, you know, is that I was there to help them grow to maturity. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you have to play the bad guy. You have to be, you have to teach, you have to train. Those things are not fun. Those things don't make you happy, but they are. They do help you grow up, right? I could give you an illustration. I desperately wanted my children to associate rebellion with pain. (laughs) Now, Jeff, that sounds cruel. Let me tell you why. Because those who live in rebellion live in pain for the rest of their life. The more you rebel, the more you'll suffer. Scripture teaches it, and you know it in real life. Yeah, you can tell your boss off, but you're not going to have a job very long. Right? I wanted them to learn that. They did learn that. Okay? They did learn it along with a whole lot of other things. And yet my job, I believe, as a father was to help my children grow up, for them to learn, for them to grow, right? So children, the child stage is awesome, okay? As far as being around children, understanding children, having them around, I want to just give you a few thoughts about about the child stage, right? Number one, obviously we've already talked about it, is that it's a learning stage, it's a time where everything's learning. If you're, if you're in, you know, and again, I don't, I don't want you to, you have to be careful here because when I refer to children physically, uh, a lot of times, well, I'm not a child. Well, if you are, if you're brand new in your faith or just a few years in your faith, you are, all right? But that doesn't mean emotionally, you know, or cognitively or anything like that, you're immature. It's just immature in your faith, right? But I do the others because that's the comparison, right? Family, children, all the rest of it. So, so I want you to see that it's, it's a learning stage. Number two, it's a dependent stage. So much of the life of a child is, is dependent and a growing towards dependence, independence, trying to be able to do things on your own. Same as believer. Usually the early stages of, of, of learning and the early stages of being dependent. You know, so many times when you think about the learning stage and dependent, like how many times have you heard from those who are younger in their faith, you know, when I tried to read my Bible, I just don't get it. I mean, I read and read and read and read and read, and, you know, it's like reading Macbeth, you know, and I come to the end of three chapters, and I don't have any idea what I just read, and that's because you're young. That's because you're immature, and you need somebody to help you learn, right? That's a great passion of mine. That's what I do a lot here. I mean, I try not to make this just a time where it's a pep rally where you I want you to walk out of here saying, yeah, I think I, know, I think I know and understand what that means, right? I think I know God better today because I've been here. That's a passion of mine because let me tell you how important it is. People just don't know, and if you don't know, you can't grow, okay? It's just not possible. So anyway, so the child stage is just one of those. It's just a time, it's a time where you, you gotta learn and you need somebody to help you learn. So we send kids to school, Right? You got it. Somebody's got to show them. Got somebody's got to do those things. That's the that's the child stage. You're very dependent on those things. A third part of it is that they're very vulnerable, right? Very vulnerable. The younger a child is, they're very easily, if you will, swayed towards things, and the vulnerability that comes at that time, almost a gullibility, right? Very trusting. It's a, it's a shame that children can't stay that way. But after they've been lied to and deceived enough, they stop, they, they realize that you just can't believe what everybody says. I remember my dad one time. My dad was a very serious-minded guy, right? And uh, he told me a joke, and it just so took me by surprise because uh, my dad was just not that way. By the way, I don't, I don't really like jokes. I like funny stories, but I don't like punchlines and all that. But anyway, he told me this joke one time. We're sitting in the car, and... And uh, he looks over at me, and uh, <laughs> now, no offense, but there was this couple walked by with their, with their kid, and their kid had red hair. If you have red hair, no offense. Right? 
My dad didn't have any offense either. But he says, he says Jeff, you see, and I, I don't know, I was maybe five, four or five years old. He says, you see that, that kid over there with the red hair? I said, yeah. He says, you know how his hair, hair, hair got red? I said, how? He said, well, he stayed out in the rain and it rusted. <clears throat> no offense. And this is what I said, really? You understand what I'm saying? Children are easy to see, easily deceived until they learn, until they grow up. They're easily, they're easily told the wrong thing. They're easily believed. You know, of course, my dad immediately said, "No, Jeff, oh, you said it, right? I mean, how do I know? You know, it's kind of one of those things, anyway." But so it's a gullibility time. It's a time of great protection, right? That's needed. Oh, don't believe that. You know, listen to me here, guys. All, not all of them, but some of them, some of these guys on television um, that say the things that they say, they're preying on children, those that are young in their faith, that don't know what the scriptures teach. And you think that somebody, when they say up here, you know, that just send this donation in and I'll send you and, and God will give you prosperity. Okay, that, what's the word again? Hogwash, Exactly. Come on, that's not in the scriptures. It's not even close. And yet when somebody, the gullibility of those who are still real young in their faith, that's why you need a family, somebody to look and say, hey, listen, don't, don't buy that. That's not even close, right? It's an amazing thing, but they prey on children. They, pay, they prey on the young in their faith on these television things. Not all of them. There are some very good ones. But by and large, they just pray. That's, that's what they, they pray, EY, not AY. So it's really sad. It's really sad. And yet this is this, this group that we're supposed to, this is who we're supposed to be. In fact, it ought to be a place where children can grow, right? Let's, let's, let's talk about a few things about it. It's a learning stage, dependent, it's vulnerable. You're not going to find these on the screens. I just wrote these down and wanted you to see them. It's mistake prone, right? I mean, how many times are you going to break something? Or are you going to spill something? You know, and as a child, it's the same thing, okay? The younger you are, the more mistake prone you are. You know, we had four children in our house. We had one in particular who just, God bless her, it just seemed she broke everything she touched and she spilled everything she held. I, I just don't know, it just was kind of, followed her around. And, uh, but that's part of the child stage. That's why it takes a lot of patience. That's why it takes somebody who is older and mature to have some patience to help someone grow. Interesting, huh? It's who God's called us to be. So mistake prone, um, Number five, joyful. Ever been around children? Unless somebody has messed with them, they can be the happiest, most joyful. I mean, and it's catching. Just incredible joy, you know? I remember my son, God bless him, I don't know if it was Martha or whoever, but he was four or something, and in the, back to the jokes. But I think Martha, for Christmas, you know, part of what in his stocking was a joke book. Oh, Lord. And so... And so, you, I'm sorry, that was my fault. So, you know what happened. He wanted to read them to me. You know, and my thought was, hey, bud, why don't you go read those by yourself and pick out the best ones? And so, but it was so, so interesting because he would read them, right? He'd read these jokes that were terrible, corny, terrible. And as he would read it, he would just burst out laughing, right? And just laugh and laugh and laugh. And, uh, you know, and they were usually not only corny, but, you know, with puns, and it was just terrible. And so, but eventually I started laughing. Why? Because I, he was laughing. I don't know what it is about children, but when you're around them, you know what I'm talking about. There's some of you that need a good dose of being around children. Now, there's problems, there's mistake prone, there's a lot of other problems, but there's some things that are good for you, all right? Not only joyful, but there's a sense of wonderment. You know? Everything's first, right? And there's so much fun to be around. You ever been around a brand new believer? They are so thrilled. That they've come to the understanding that God really does love them, right? 
and they put their faith and trust in him. They've understood the forgiveness, or at least their own way to understanding it. They feel relieved for the first time in their life. They feel like a burden's been lifted for the first time in their life. And they can be the most infectious, fun people to be around, brand new believers. Children are like that. That's why a church ought to be filled with them. Not just physical children, but those who are young in their faith, those that are hungry. Right? Those that stop me afterwards and ask a question and say, Man, what did you mean about it? Are you sure that this? And of course. I can't do it for everybody. Why? Again, that's why it's a joke to think that it's the staff that's supposed to do the ministry. That's just not the truth. In a family, everybody does it. And the, and the more mature you are, the more you're part of, of ministering to those who are younger. It's an amazing concept. Guys, it's something you have to get and understand if you're to understand that this is who we're supposed to be. This is us, right? This is us. But, but this whole sense of wonderment, this whole sense of awe, I just love as new believers learn more about who God is. You know, you know I've made a pact you know, in my own heart that I will never go to Disney World again. Uh, <laughs> by myself, right? Just for me to go? Oh, Lord. I was used to be in student ministry, youth ministry, right? I've been more times, and, and it is such a drag, but I have a granddaughter now, and she's almost two. I have to admit I look forward to taking her. I don't ever care again if I go Y'all know, if you've been a lot, it's like, oh, geez. You know, yeah, it's a small world and all the rest. Y'all can have it, right? And it's, it's a sense of wonderment, right, when you first see it, but then not so much. But when you take a child, it's a whole different experience, is it not? Guys, there's a, there's a sense of wonderment that only children bring, and there's a sense of wonderment that only those who are young in their faith can bring. I tell you, it's an amazing, it's who we're supposed to be, right? Yes, immature. Yes, lots of questions. Yes, why, 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 why? Why do you thank God? Why? And it's like, oh gosh. But when it comes down to it, it's who we're supposed to be. The last thing in the state, childhood stage, the others don't have near as many. I just, they just fix it. It's fearful. Fear. Fear locks up the life of a child. And if you can't grow and mature past that, you'll carry fear into your adult life. And yet I want you to know that God has not called you to live in fear. He's called you to learn to trust him. And yet fear is something we all naturally have. But I want you to, amazing, there's fear. But how much impact can you have in a child's life when you can become a security to them when they're fearful? Guys, that's just what a family's supposed to be. Y'all remember the night, if you had children, the nightmares and the, and the come running into your bed crying. And, you know, and it's just amazing how much calmer they can be. You know, just pick one of them up, throw them in between the two of you. That's the way we did it. And pick them up, throw them in between, and then they're back asleep, right, within seconds. Why? Because they're with you. Because you're not afraid they are. You've learned not to be afraid. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about because you understand families. But I, when you understand this is who we're supposed to be, and yet that is not what most churches are. Most churches are just place, places where you show up, right? And you listen for a little while and then you leave. But that is so not all of who we're supposed to be. That's part of what we're supposed to be. Not, it's not what you need, right? Interesting. I don't know. I, I, I've got to move on. But this... This is, this is a huge part of what we're supposed to the second, the second phase is whatever you call it, young men, it's mentioned there, young women, um, adolescents, um, whatever you want to call it. But it's the time when you grow up enough to where, where it's not just learning anymore, it's starting to, it's starting to put things into practice. You know, in, in 1 John 2, it says there, it says, I write to you, young men, right? Uh, because you've overcome the evil one. Take a look at verse 14 now. Did you get, no, you didn't get 13 up there yet. Get 13 up there, right? Instructions for young men. Okay, verse 13. One, two, three, go. All right, I'm writing to you. It's not up there. There it is, because you've overcome the evil one. Now take a look at verse 14. It says it again. I write to you, young men. Next, next phase. Next. I write to you, young men, because you're strong. God's word abides in you, and you've overcome the evil one. So this is the... This is the next phase. This is the, when it goes from 
what you've learned to how does this work in real life? You know, when all you ever do is just get information, right, that's, that, leaves you, that leaves you empty, really. But the question is, how do you practice that? How does it work? This is the putting what you've learned in the, in the practice phase. This is when you start learning what it, how it works, what it does. Interesting, huh? It says you're strong. And that makes sense because development in a, in a child to a, to a middle school. And this can be some of the hardest phase too. You're strong, God's word abides in you. In other words, you've learned enough now to where you understand, you get it. And it says you've overcome the evil one. Well, there's an onslaught. Okay, I know that this is what your family says, but is this what you believe? Are you hearing me? When I used to be in student ministry, I used to marvel. I used to marvel at times when these kids who have grown up in church all their lives and they go off to college and they abandon everything. They go absolutely berserk, right? And it means one of two things. It means number one, they never were believers to begin with. Or number two, they're just extremely immature. They may have the things in their head but they haven't learned to put it into, pro into practice. Therefore, you go put them into a tempting situation, they lose it, right? Oh, yeah, I'm gonna do what I want, you know, that kind of stuff, right? That's just immaturity, it's just it's a huge sign of immaturity. I find that pretty amazing. But how do these things happen, right? How do these things happen to you? It says over in James, take a look at the James passage. James chapter one, it says to put away all these things, right? you know, which God's word can, can make a difference in life. But look at verse 22. It says, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Look at that. Look what it says there, deceiving yourselves. So there comes a time then what you've learned has to be put into practice. It's this phase where you learn how to do it. And sometimes you won't do it very well, but the family that is his church is the place where you need to do it. Because those who get yelled at all the time for messing up will eventually stop trying. That's what happens in homes sometimes. Every time a kid or a young adult makes a mistake, you know, they get, they get yelled at and all the rest of it, they go, so they just stop trying. And it, and it stops maturity from happening. It's how you learn, it's how you grow, right? For anyone who is just a hearer of the word, not a doer, it's like a man who looks attentively at his face in the mirror. As soon as he walks away, he forgets. Therefore, if all you ever do is just learn when you walk away from your learning, you'll forget what you've learned. But if you do it, you'll remember it. It's amazing how that works. And yet, most people functionally as believers, they know what, sometimes they know what God's word says, but they have no clue if it works or not. That's why doubts hit their mind. Guys, I'm here to tell you, I've learned through the years of being his follower, not just knowing what his word says, but as I put it into practice, it not only works, but it gives me incredible purpose and direction, contentment, fulfillment in here. Why? Because it works. It works. You, you, you put it into practice, it works. It's not just knowing it. Okay? If you're just all about a knowledge, then you're missing. You're missing this next step, right? Oh, it's an incredible thing to think about. And yet the local church is the place for that to happen. Okay? It is, it's who we're supposed to be. Number three. Number three. Right? Number three. And I'm speeding through this so that I don't run late like I have been at the previous times. But I want you to, again, understand this next phase, um, not, just the, not just the adolescence phase, but what I'm going to call the adult, right? And I'm going to call this instructions for fathers or mothers. But in this particular passage, all of it, it says, it's very repetitive. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, I'm writing to you, fathers. Why? Because you've known him who's from the beginning. And then in verse, the next verse, verse 14, it says the exact same thing. It's repetitive. You've known him who's from the beginning. So then what is the father stage or the mature, maturer or mature stage? It has to do with those who've not only, they have not only know God's word and they've not only put it into practice, but they have experience over the long haul. And they can be gold to those that are maturing in the other stages. In fact, they're necessary. They're not always popular, but they are necessary. Interesting how that is, huh? When you think about growing up, I remember 
Um, having someone in your life like that is incredible. And yet the more distant and separated our culture becomes, the less opportunity for you to have people in your life like that. But I remember when I, was, when I first became a believer, I'd been in church, but I was never a believer. I knew all the facts about the Bible, but I was never a believer, never part of God's family. But I became a believer when I was 21, and I was big time excited about who God was, you know, and all of the different stuff. I mean, when I say excited, I was pumped up, you know, doing a lot of crazy things, um, you know, just so excited about what it meant. And, but a guy came to me, he was my college pastor in the church that I, I, was, I became a believer at, and he said, Jeff, I would like to, I'd like to disciple you. I didn't even know what that meant. You know, it didn't sound good. Right? Anytime somebody would have says discipline, that was never good in anywhere you went. So I didn't really know what that meant, but I trusted him. And so I said, I said, yeah. So for 26 weeks, me and a couple other guys met with him and walked through and we had a bajillion questions and, and it just was incredible. Well, that guy I'm talking about, is his name is Ken Whitten. Pastor Ken Witten, he's the pastor at Ottawa, just across the bay. In fact, that's how I got to Tampa. Because after I was discipled, I started working in the church and started helping with students. And I went to school and eventually went and became in, went in student ministry, right, youth ministry. And then, and then Witten over there called me to be his student pastor over at Ottawa. So that's how I even got here. And then we started a church down in Davis Island. Uh, where I was the founding pastor down there. So it's, that's kind of how it all went. But it all started with this relationship, a mentoring-type relationship, if you, if you really need it. I was in desperate need of it because I was gung-ho, right? Just tell me which wall to run through at that time, right? I was gung-ho. And I've learned as I've matured, you know, that choose your walls, you know, with some care before you go trying to run through them, right? Just don't run through every wall, right? But anyway, and he helped. I grew up. I grew up. It was huge to have somebody. I still call him from time to time. Hey, what do you think about, you know, just a sounding board. But let me tell you something. As a believer, you need a mentor. You do. And if you don't need a mentor, you need to be mentoring someone. Why? Because we're a family. This is who we are. We have needs. And you're not going to be who God's called you to be on your own, or at least not totally, right? If you have to learn on your own, your greatest teacher will be failure. Does that make sense? Because when you have to learn on your own, you've got to try everything, and you're going to see how many times you fail. But if you have somebody in your life you trust, you will avoid most of those failures because they're going to look at you and say, uh -uh, don't go that way. Let me tell you what happens when you go that way and you go, oh yeah, you're right. See, that's, I can't, I, can't, I can't stress it enough how important it is to have someone that who's grown, who's walked long enough in their faith to where they're solid, not only what they believe, but they've been through enough to where they understand how God works. Of course, God always works in mysterious ways, but they understand that. You know, that's why I try to tell people all the time. I always look for something coming out of left field. That's just how God has worked in my life anyway. It never is like I think he's going to work. All right? So I've learned that through the years. So when somebody asks me, why did God do this? I say, because what he does. I don't know, you know. It's, it's an incredible thing when you have somebody in your life like that. I've got a few verses that I'd like to share with you about this. Again, this is all over the Bible, but I just want you to see them. All right, take a look now, if you will, in uh, in. 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now look at verse 6. What does it say? Yet among the mature. This is throughout the New Testament as it talks about who we are. Right? Yet those who mature, uh, we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age uh, who are doomed to pass away. Philippians 3, verse 12. Now listen, this is Paul talking. You've heard some of these verses before, but have you read it all? Look at this. This is pretty cool stuff. It's just, not that I've already tamed this. Even if you are mature in your faith, that doesn't mean you don't still have room to grow. We always grow. We always learn, no matter what you've learned. 
No matter how much you've learned. doesn't matter how much experience you have. There's something always to be learned. So I'm not saying that you've arrived. I'm just saying you've been down the road long enough. You can really be a help to those who haven't been down the road yet. Okay? But it says here, not that I've, Paul said, not that I've already attained all this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Right? Brothers, I do not consider that I have, uh, that I have uh, made it my own. All right? But this one thing I do, now, if you like writing in your Bible, underline the phrase, this one thing I do. Focus becomes something that those who are mature are able to do. This one thing I do, I forget what's behind, and I strain towards all right, what's ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of, Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 15. This is usually left out. Let those of us who are mature, this is the way we're supposed to think. Wow. Wow. You know, usually when you study those verses, I press on toward the goal, you know, and you got, I'm running, I'm running, keep my eye on Christ. But if you're mature, this is what you're supposed to think. This one thing to focus, those who are mature have an ability to focus, which is what those who are immature need to see. Because if you've ever been around children, my goodness, it's easy to get their, their attention off on something else, right? You know, just change, change, you know, get the next toy in the room, right? Or whatever it takes is easy. But as we grow, this one thing, those of us for sure mature, this is the way we're supposed to think, Okay. Um, Colossians 1, to them God has chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of glory of this mystery. What's this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, him we proclaim, warning everyone, here we go, and teaching everyone all wisdom that we may present everyone what? Mature in Christ. So that is our goal, our responsibility as his family. This is us, is to help people grow towards maturity. Interesting. One last one, then I am done. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Verse 11, I just threw in there, so take a look at this. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since some of you become dull of hearing. All right, got it. But look at this next verse. Look at verse 12. For though by, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracle of God. So what he's telling them is, you've been a believer long enough, you ought to be helping other people understand. But you still need to be taught yourself. And he goes to this maturity issue, using the family type concept. And he says, you need milk and not solid food. So what's he, what's he telling them? He's telling them, hey, listen, guys, you're not growing. You're not maturing. You like being a baby, right? This is what you like. You like just coming, and, and anytime something's taught to you, uh, you have to be retaught it because you don't go out and do anything with it. All you do is learn it, and then you relearn it again at some other time. And he says, by this time, this is what he's saying. He says, you're just still milk. You're just still immature. A lot of people like that. A lot of believers like that. Right? They want to grow up. Oh, it's so funny because when things don't go their way, you know what they'll do? They'll stamp their foot and they'll throw a tantrum. Nobody cares about me. And they'll start saying all kinds of cause, blah, cause. When you're immature, it's all about you. Right? That's, and that usually comes from those who, who haven't grown but should have grown. Right? Throwing a tantrum. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything other than we have to be patient and love them. And then they just need to be put in a situation where they can grow. But that is what the thought here is, is it not? It says here, for everyone who lives on milk, look what it says. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. So what does that mean? Well, you have knowledge, but you have no ability to use it. If that's all you ever do is just stay on milk. But he wants you to grow. So this metaphor of, of maturity is all over the Bible. It's incredible to think about. Right? He says, uh, obviously, he is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is what? child. He or she's stuck in the child stage when they should have moved on by now. And I have found that healthy children want 
to grow up. And when they don't, something's wrong. It says, but but solid food is for what? It's for those to mature. For those who have their powers of discernment, look at this, trained by constant practice. Okay, that's the middle phase, is it not? Constant practice. You know, those that come across and share to you on television, if you want discernment, just ask. Oh, God, give me discernment. Okay, as if he's going to zap you with it. He's not going to zap you with it. He's going to train you. You want to sign up? Right? He'll train you. Oh, absolutely he'll do it. You have not because you ask not. Ask, and he'll give it to you, but it's not going to be what you think it is. Right? He's going to train you and teach you so that when you get through it, you'll learn because you've practiced, you've worked through it. I don't know. It's an amazing thing. When you see just these little concepts of maturity find their way in all over the Bible and this, this concept of family and that this is us, this is who we're supposed to be. Interesting. Interesting. So as I close, which I have to close, all right, but I can't tell you how I want you to get this. Because there is not anything more miserable than when someone who should have grown up who has not. I mean, they are miserable themselves and they make everyone miserable around them. When they should be at a certain place, but they refuse to go there because they like being, they like to focus on them. They like, uh, in fact, I know of children in homes. They'll blow up the home so that all the focus and attention will be on them. That is not where we're supposed to be, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? I got to stop. Stop, Jeff. Stop. All right. So as I close, all right, I so want you to get this piece. This is us. This is who we're supposed to be. And I find very few that do this today is that being the place where people can actually grow up. And once they do mature, they can turn it back around and reinvest in the same process of called family, right? As I'm done, the only thing really I have to share with you with that, we'll pick up next week. If you're not part of God's family, right? Like I was, I was in church all my life, but it was 21 until I became a believer. These things don't apply to you if you're not his. You have to be one of his in order, you have to be born in order to grow. That makes sense. There's never been that time in your life, even though that hadn't been the point this morning. There'll be some guys up here afterwards that love to talk to you about it. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. See, if I have time off, I get a little too wound up. Even with, the, even with the third service, I'm still ready to roll. All right. Anyway, God bless you. Let's all stand. We'll have a closing word of prayer.